Fiscal 2019 is already halfway over, and already there's talk of a continuing resolution for 2020. At least they're thinking about the budget on Capitol Hill. We get more now from Bloomberg Government Editorial Director Lauren Duggan. And Lauren, what is the status of budget talks at this point? Well, there's not much in the way of talking right now, but there's certainly a lot of, at least talking to each other, but certainly a lot of talk on both sides. So we're kind of at the fiscal year midpoint for fiscal 19 with only six months to go before fiscal 2020. And we still don't have those all important top line spending figures that both chambers need to write the bills. And that's where this talk of a CR is coming from or a continuing resolution, because without that top line number to guide the appropriators work, they could end up working in different directions on the House and Senate side and not really set the stage to have any sort of agreement ready by September 30th to keep the government opening. And by the way, that doesn't even touch on any of the dynamics that may come into play with the debt limit or demands from the administration for more border wall funding or perhaps changes to the Affordable Care Act or anything else they might demand, which could lead to another shutdown if there's not some sort of agreement in place by September 30th. So sitting halfway in the middle of the fiscal year, there's some pessimism on Capitol Hill, it seems like, even where the optimism of the success of coming up with a spending deal earlier this year after the shutdown showed that there can be some sort of common ground found to to fund the government if everybody's working from the same page. Except for the wall, though, I mean, the differences tend to center around a couple of billion dollars every year, which is a pretty small change in the context of the discretionary part. Absolutely. When when you figure out kind of how you want to fund the government, it, you're arguing then about a billion dollars here or a billion dollars there, or even when you get to smaller programs in the millions, which doesn't, you know, sounds like a lot in a dollar term. I mean, if I had a billion dollars, I'd be very happy. But um, when you're talking about these negotiations, it tends to be over... Uh, Um, a few lines here or there or where you want to plus up or maybe take down an account. So um, the gaps aren't that significant if both sides agree that they're not going to try and seek riders that the other side doesn't like. And if everyone can kind of agree that overall, this is the spending level we're comfortable with. But when the administration has proposed a budget that would adhere to the Budget Control Act spending caps, when Democrats want to increase both defense and non-defense spending, and many Republicans are willing to go along, especially on the defense side, um, that's where you have this recipe for kind of a lack of agreement um, pushing this, pushing these budget talks forward. And this may be unanswerable at this point, but with at least as of you know this week, with the Mueller report and Democrats arguing amongst themselves whether they want to continue with some degree or some level of oversight and investigations into the Trump administration in light of what we understand at this point, the Mueller report to have said, could there be a little bit more energy on other matters that concern Congress that are more direct to getting the government going? I I think things will continue to operate on two tracks. Even with the Mueller investigation wrapped up, we see a debate raging about what report will lawmakers get, when will they get it, what will the level of redactions be. Beyond that, though, there are several chairmen with gavels who have other items they want to look into, not at the presidential level even, but at some of the cabinet agencies. So whether it's looking at what the EPA did under Scott Pruitt 
or what the Interior Department did under Ryan Zinke. Many of these chairmen have their own questions that they want to have answered, even beyond what the Mueller investigation looked at, even as the Mueller investigation kind of steps maybe to the back burner for a while, um, especially pending the release of the report. Many committees are, as you as you suggest, turning towards other matters, whether it's laws under their jurisdiction that need to be reauthorized or oversight they want to do or pouring over the fiscal 2020 budget request to see what programs they want to you know, fund or not fund. And we sort of saw a microcosm of that last week when Betsy DeVos was brought up to Capitol Hill and had to answer questions about a proposed cut to funding for the Special Olympics program, a proposal that had been in other budgets but caught attention this time. And by the end of the week, everyone had walked away from it. The president and Betsy DeVos had all said, no, we're, we're not going to stand behind that request. We're going to seek funding for the Special Olympics. So those are the kind of questions we'll probably see a lot of in the coming weeks, especially as cabinet secretaries continue to go up to the Hill to defend what they've asked for. We're speaking with Lauren Duggan, editorial director of Bloomberg Government. And what about the Affordable Care Act? Because that involves so many federal agencies wondering what Congress will do and what they'll have to do in response. Anything ahead on that one? Well, it got more complicated last week when the president and the administration said that they would no longer defend the act in court, essentially signing on to this lawsuit from lower courts that had um, held that the law was unconstitutional. So that's a case that's working its way through the different levels of the federal courts, probably will reach the Supreme Court at some point, and a ruling on that would be key to figuring out what the future is. A lot of this hinges on a change in the 2017 tax law that took the penalties away from the individual mandate, which requires everyone to purchase health insurance, either through their employer or on the exchanges or through Medicaid, whatever. So by taking those penalties away, that's changed the dynamic of the individual mandate in a way that could be resolved differently through the courts than it was when the Roberts ruling came out several years ago that upheld the law on the basis that it was a tax. So the the administration's move to no longer defend the, the law in court means that if it got struck down, Capitol Hill would have to spring to action to come up with some sort of response. With a Democratic House and a Republican Senate, the chances of them agreeing on something to replace the whole law if they needed to do so um, don't seem very bright. But um, Um, We'll have to see where these discussions go. Republicans seem wary of agreeing with the administration, by the way, on this. Um, There doesn't seem to be a consensus plan to replace the Affordable Care Act. And as we've seen on the Democratic side, many Democrats want to replace the Affordable Care Act, but with something like Medicare for all and one of the different variations that they've discussed, whether it's buying into Medicare or expanding it to cover everyone or lowering the age, the the debate on the Democratic side versus the Republican side is very different. So um, what we'll see this week in the House is a vote on a resolution saying they don't agree with the steps that the administration is taking, but no legislation or or anything to address what's going on with the ACA quite yet. Yeah. So when each side's alternative is a complete horror to the other side, then you've got stasis for what exists, basically. Right. As long as it's allowed to stand in the courts. I mean, that's where a court ruling could really change the dynamics on this pretty quickly. All right. And uh, with respect to the Pentagon and their overseas activities, the War Powers Act coming up again, this is something 
Sounds like Vietnam almost. Yeah, we're going to see our third vote this Congress on what to do with the U.S. involvement in Yemen. The House and the Senate have passed different joint resolutions that would end U.S. involvement there. But the House version that they passed a few months ago included this language on anti-Semitism. And for parliamentary reasons, that changed the dynamic around the resolution. And they had to go with the Senate one that doesn't include that language. So what we'll see possibly this week is the House take up that Senate passed resolution pass it, send it to the president, and the president will likely veto it on a couple of grounds. One, he doesn't want to end the U.S. involvement in Yemen. Um, two, they object to the use of this procedure to co- try and curtail the activities. And three, they say that actually the situation that's here doesn't really fall under the war powers resolution. So sort of some arcane separation of powers issues at play here, but another kind of showdown between Congress and the president, where Congress, with simple majorities at least, is saying we don't want to do something or we want you to change uh, one of your policies. But without that two-thirds majority, they would need to override a veto and really force change. So kind of a similar dynamic to what we saw with the president's emergency declaration and the resolution that both chambers passed and then the president ultimately vetoed. Yeah, it seems like all of the little fights are in some ways proxies for much bigger arguments. Yeah, could be, could be. And what we're also seeing is these arcane procedures that were written into law sometimes 40, 50 years ago that are being used to force votes and really draw lines between what members of Congress are saying and what the administration is doing. And at times we see interesting votes from Republicans who may back the president in other cases, but aren't on some of these larger constitution separation of powers issues. Yeah, cherry blossoms always lead to long, hot summers, I guess, huh? Absolutely. Lauren Duggan is editorial director of Bloomberg Government. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.